welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Michelle Battersby. Um, for those of you who don't know who this incredible human is, um, she, she launched the Bumble app in Australia or across five countries in APAC. Um, she was also the chief marketing officer at Keep It Cleaner after she looked for another challenge leaving Bumble. She's now the co-founder of Sunroom. She's moved over to LA. Um, she's engaged to the incredible Billy Meeks, who has been a guest of the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast before. And she's a very smart individual. Um, I get along with Michelle very well, and I've been super excited for this conversation today. So, um, firstly, Michelle, thank you so much for for joining us, and um, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. I'm pumped to be here. Fuck yeah! <laughs> How good. <laughs> So now tell me, since, uh, since I saw you last in person, you've had uh, a fair few life changes, um, I guess you could say. There's been a lot that's happened for you, including you know, the engagement and, and the move across, across to the state. So um, before we kind of dig into a little bit more of the business side of things, do you want to fill us in with um, what the last kind of 12 months has looked like for you? Because I know it's, um, it's been pretty full on and, and there was a period there where shit was all over the place with Billy playing overseas and whatnot. So, so how have you settled into the States and what's the last 12 months been like? Yeah. Wow. The last 12 months have been so huge. It's actually hard to remember everything that has happened. It was only about, it was, it was probably 13 or 14 months ago mm. that Sunroom was even an idea in my mind. You know, I was still in, in Melbourne working at Keep It Cleaner, Bill mm. had moved to Bill had moved to London to play rugby. When he left, I had no intention of relocating to LA myself. He was he was always moving to London and then he was yeah. gonna move to LA straight after. So when we said goodbye, I thought we were saying goodbye for at least a year until COVID was over. And because prior just, to that he'd already been away for what it was about it was at least three months or something, wasn't he? Come back for a couple of weeks and then took off again. Yeah, I think he was. I think it was three, or, or it could have even been five months. And then he was back for something like six weeks. And then he got this last-minute opportunity to go and play rugby in London before moving to LA. And of course, you know, took it. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to think that when I said goodbye to him, I. Yeah, like I, I wasn't 100% sure I was going to do Sunroom. I yeah. wasn't thinking really about moving to LA. And it's just crazy that these things fell into place and meant that we could end up living in the same country because our relationship had been long distance for four years. When we yeah. were living in, in Melbourne together, that was meant to be our first year together. together. But, yeah. but COVID happened, so he left <laughs> and it just just when you move to melbourne weird. thinking you're gonna make it a little easier and he moves overseas <laughs> yeah it's been so strange but it is crazy how sometimes things just all yeah. work out and i feel like the stars really aligned and it feels like both of us are exactly where we're meant to be and yeah i guess you just got to trust trust the process and like take opportunities as they present themselves to you and just have an open mind, I suppose. hundred percent. Let's, uh, let's backtrack a little bit even prior to, um, Bumble. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that have tuned in that, 
when they heard me introduce you and even mentioned the whole thing about you launching um, Bumble, uh, there's going to be people that want to hear a lot more about that. But before we kind of touch on that, like what were you doing before Bumble? And I guess, did you have any um, idea of what you wanted to do down the track um, before that opportunity come about? So before Bumble, I'd gone to, I went to Sydney University. I, I was never really that smart at school. I was always into sport and sport was Mm -hmm. the reason why I went to school. And in the HSA, I did not do that well. I actually got given extra UAI points or ATAR as it's called now. I got extra marks for sport. And that was actually the only reason why I got into Sydney Uni because of these extra, extra marks for, for rowing. And rowing was my passion and what gave me routine and structure and drive and i loved it and so i just studied and and rode and i did a bachelor of arts because i yep. had no idea what i wanted to do with my life uh and then you know eventually i think with so many people that do sport there comes a time when you realize that you're probably not going to make it to the olympics so training <laughs> 12 12 times a week isn't actually that fun <laughs> so i <laughs> I gave up rowing and I think I just transitioned my, my passion into the next thing that kind of fell at Mm. my feet. And that became doing a a master's degree. So I did a master's in human resource management and industrial relations, and I got an internship at an investment bank and I went into investment banking and I worked at UBS, which is a Swiss investment bank and Citibank, um, which is headquartered in New York. And I was an HR generalist, so I basically, uh, I used to actually investigate people for misconduct um, and I used to make people redundant sometimes. I used to do performance management. I used to uh, work with heads of business departments on promotions and Mm -hmm. pay rises and uh, kind of guide them on how to like motivate, retain and attract talent. So a very different thing. Like I sometimes feel like I've had these a few lives when it comes to what I've done for work. Uh, And so I worked in investment banking for about four years, but whilst it was challenging, I just didn't feel like I could do it for the rest of my life. And I found myself looking around the room, realizing that I wasn't as passionate as the other people around me. And I can remember thinking, why does everyone care so much? I don't, I don't care that much. And it wasn't about them or the profession. You know, it it was a me thing. You weren't Um, passionate about it. Yeah. I, I just wasn't passionate enough. And I, I can very vividly remember sitting at my desk one day thinking there is something else out there that I am so much better at than this. And I, I just had this deep feeling deep down that, that something was there. I just repeated the word deep to way too many times in a close, in a close sentence. Yeah, we, we get the point. It was deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was really deep. Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the fitness and lifestyle podcast. And that is unify health supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at Unify Active 
Unify.com. Unify has a range of products including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. I just knew I knew I had to start talking to people and start mm. figuring out what it was going to be because I I didn't think I could do HR anymore and so that that's what I did I I just started speaking to friends started looking into to other very random yep. things uh, one of those things was actually becoming a PT and because ah. I'd done all the all the rowing and yeah, all yeah. Of that training. I had been interested in in that kind of thing and I looked into becoming a PT and maybe launching my own thing. Yep. It's weird because I'd forgotten about that and then I ended up working at, at Keep It Cleaner. Keep know, It Cleaner, yeah. Three or four years later and I'd actually forgotten that that, that was something I'd thought about. Thought about, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was those conversations with my network that led me to an introduction to Whitney Wolf Heard, who's the CEO and founder yeah, yeah. of Bumble. And that's awesome. how that transition happened. Do you think those, that early experience, like, you know, as you said, even, even going back to say rowing, like the structure that's involved in training, taking care of your diet, recovery, like you said, the drive and the motivation to follow something that you've got your sights set on. Do you think even though you've done, you didn't end up going to the Olympics for rowing, <laughs> yeah. um, with all the ventures that you've been fortunate enough to try your hand at, like already up until this point, do you think like the structure from the early days has helped in the business side of things? Definitely. You know, rowing is a very hard sport. I think it's meant to be the third hardest sport in the world or something. Like we, you've been on an earth. Extremely you physical, know, yeah. You know those things aren't fun. Yeah, I'm not and, on there long, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I used to wake up at 4.55 every single day and I used to train 12 mm. times a week. And I was also a lightweight rower for a very short period of time. So I was also on a pretty strict meal plan trying to keep my weight at a certain level I think experiencing something like that it teaches you it really does teach you how to deal with pain and I think sometimes pain can be physical and mental and sometimes Mm. pain can be pushing yourself through tasks that you're not loving but you just need to get to the end to shows you that on that other side of the the adversity that that's where all the good kind all the good stuff happens or potentially anyway yeah, and I think it's it's great to have committed to something, you know, mm-hmm. and to have to have seen something through. And I think sport is an amazing tool in instilling some really solid like characteristics or yeah. maybe qualities in yourself. And working at a startup's also really hard yeah. and it's about growth and it's about pace and it's about performance and mm-hmm. that's quite like sport at a at a certain level. So yeah, I think uh, just knowing how to push yourself in any environment is a is a good thing to have experienced. How about the HR side of things in regards to managing people or even having, as you said, you had to make people redundant. So learning how to have the tough conversations that, that so many people would avoid, even, you know, to the extent of nothing to do with the workplace. I know so many people um, constantly avoid the uncomfortable conversations that they probably know they have to have. So I'm assuming that would have would have held you in good stead for the for the stuff that you've kind of been um, involved in over the last few years? Definitely. And I, I didn't realise at the time I was transitioning into Bumble that what I'd learnt in HR would end up being so valuable. Mm-hmm. But it really, it really has helped me to have 
experience in that area and to have seen our big global corporations deal with complex personnel issues like that's a very good thing to be across how you treat people in the workplace is incredibly important Mm. Uh, how you hire and fire really matters how you retain people matters how you show people that you appreciate them matters um and also creating a certain kind of culture uh, mm-hmm. is really is really important. So, yeah, I was surprised how transferable. I am still surprised how transferable mm. those skills are. Even today, I was talking to my co-founder about salary stuff, and I remembered something from my days at Citibank. And yeah, it's still it's still relevant. Hundred percent. So. You step into the um, into launching Bumble um, uh, across five different countries. That uh, I'm assuming, like going from being HR to doing something to this of this scale, would have been um, quite overwhelming. Um, did you have at any point in time um, suffer from, I guess, imposter syndrome? Like, I, obviously, um, you've shown firsthand that you had all the skills and and the work ethic to do it because it was such a success. But were you kind of at any point in time sitting there thinking, like, what the fuck have I got myself into here? It's such an interesting one and I am only just figuring this out because I definitely have imposter syndrome at the moment and in the past I, I hadn't experienced it. I, I surprisingly yeah. didn't experience it at, at Bumble and I've thought about you know why that is mm-hmm. and I think it was because I was just so incredibly supported and appreciated and... At, at Bumble, I, it, it was honestly such a privilege working with so many brilliant women that really made me feel like they wanted me to succeed. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I had this army of supporters behind me, helping me along the way, especially the first few hires at Bumble in the US. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be what ensured me that I, I didn't feel imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I just worked for like Whitney was such an egoless leader and I, I really believe she wanted everyone in, in that you place fully to bought into and, to what you were yeah. your mission. Yeah. And she, yeah. And she, I just felt like she was my number one supporter and always there cheering me on. And mm-hmm. I feel like perhaps that's why I, I didn't really feel imposter syndrome yep. when I was there because of the support I had around me and the resources I had around me. And I definitely wasn't doing it alone. I was with so many amazing people that were, were right there with me every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And they charted the territories I was in before. So I could take what they had done and reapply it in a way that um, applied to an Australian demo, an Australian demographic. Yeah. I also think perhaps the growth of Bumble contributed to me not feeling imposter syndrome because it was just such this rocket ship of seeing firsthand how well it was going. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely experienced self doubt like a hundred percent. I had none of the qualifications I needed on paper. So I experienced self doubt. I wondered how I was going to do things, but I, I don't think I really experienced in imposter syndrome where like I yep. didn't feel worthy to be there or I felt like a, a phony and, and things mm. like that or like a fraud, which are some of the things that I, I feel are more associated with imposter syndrome. 
do you think there was there anything like that stood out to you um, that I guess shocked you once you did launch in terms of like may have been how well it went or a certain part of the job that you really enjoyed that you didn't expect to enjoy as much or like what was that whole experience like? Was there anything that kind of just almost blindsided you with that that experience? Wow, I mean, it was, I guess something that I found surprising was that we were able to pick up exactly what we'd done in Australia and go to Hong Kong okay. and roll it out and, and it would just work straight away again. And then you, you pick that up again and you take it to the Philippines and it just worked. Found and the right formula. Yes. And it almost felt too easy mm-hmm. at times. Like, wow, is this, is this it? But I think, I, I don't think marketing needs to be over-engineered. I think mm-hmm. it actually is quite simple and, you know, there was a lot of proven success in America, as I, as I said, and perhaps they ran into more hurdles than those of us in, in other markets that got to follow did, you know, perhaps yeah. they'd, they'd copped the, the brunt of, you know, the, the challenges. And so we were almost shielded from that in a way, but I, I did find it quite surprising how simple and easy it seemed to be able uh, to be replicated in other markets. I also think though, Walking into Bumble, I had no idea how much it was going to change my life uh, <laughs> and, and what, it, what an experience it would be. If someone had told me at the start of accepting that job that I would even have to do things like interviews for newspapers or sit on panels or host events, I probably would have been too scared to say yes. Yep. Um, but it really was about like rolling with the punches and Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to let go of any shame or embarrassment or fear associated with even using myself as a marketing tool. And I just became comfortable with throwing myself in the deep end and doing, you know, whatever I had to do to help get the word out there and to help Bumble grow. But I think the press side of things and the interest that, uh, people ended up having in, in Bumble definitely came as a surprise and I never foresaw, you know, any of that. Was there anyone that you were, um, looking, I wouldn't say looking up to, but with people that you were, um, consuming their content at the time, um, are in the marketing or business space that you were, I guess, taking like inspiration from or taking bits and pieces from to, to start to learn on the fly or, or even just to, to get a bit of, um, what would you call it? Or just like knowledge uh, around the things that you were going through from people that had been through it previously? Definitely. Like Whitney is an amazing role model and it was so great having her so close and being able to watch her grow as well. The thing mm-hmm. with Bumble is we were just all these women and we were all growing at the same time and all being thrown into these situations that yep. uh, we never could have predicted. And there were other country leads as well in, um, one uh, in particular in London who I also reported into and like she was doing the same kind of thing in in her market. But I also think uh, external one outside of, of Bumble, like Zoe Foster Blake, I think is amazing at managing mm-hmm. her personal and private life as well as her public face of mm-hmm. go-to skinwear uh, type role that she plays. So having incredible businesswomen like her sharing so much online is 
she sets a great example and she's someone that I often like keep an eye on to yeah. see how they're doing it, doing things and responding to things and sharing certain things. When, uh, when the time came, um, to step away from Bumble and, you know, ultimately end up taking the, the role with Keep It Cleaner, was that a matter of, um, you know, it felt like you'd kind of been there and done that and look for looking for a new challenge or, um, like what was the reasoning behind wanting to step away from Bumble? Yeah. So I'd, I had thought about leaving Bumble a bit earlier, mm-hmm. to be honest. I had felt like I, as I said, uh, expanding Bumble into new markets, it started to feel like it was a tried and tested recipe that I could just keep rolling out. Yeah. And the same thing was happening internally in Australia, the way okay. that we would do events and activations yep. and marketing campaigns. I also felt like we somewhat cracked the code on that as well. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really learning as much. I also wasn't as in tune with, I, I could never get my hands on the product. I wasn't working with engineers, working in an offshore uh, regional office and not being at HQ, just naturally you miss out on some key leadership decisions. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I needed to keep growing my my toolkit and that's why I, I had started looking for other things. I got my promotion to, I guess, expand bumble into other markets as a way to retain me for longer and that was great and that's why I went and launched other markets but then the same thing happened where I felt like I was just doing the same sort of thing and so that's why I started looking again and you know I'd worked with Steph and Laura when I was at Bumble yeah I really loved working in in tech and with apps and I I knew I needed to work on a product that continued to better the lives of women that's what Mm -hmm. I established was what made what kept me really you know hungry and motivated and that's what I truly am passionate about and I love working on brands and, and products that have a purpose yeah so when Steph and Laura came to me I, I felt like I you know I probably couldn't find I, I felt like they were the the best option in in Australia for sure you know uh, that women founded great mission mm-hmm. making health and wellness accessible so it just seemed like a really great next step and uh i'd obviously be at hq i'd get to work much more closely with the product and they were you know beginning to think about expanding into international markets so i thought perfect i can almost do what i did with with bumble but maybe in reverse because i was never i was never going to get exposure working in the us or the uk they already had teams exactly like mine you know what would i be able to bring to those to those regions so it seemed like the the right, the right move and came at, came at a good time. And, and honestly, I'm really happy with how I left Bumble is something that I'm really proud about. Yeah. I, I loved my time there and I wanted to leave on a high and I wanted to leave with fond memories. And mm-hmm. as a saying that I often say to myself when I'm out at a party at one or 2am and it is, it's always best to leave the party while you're still having fun. And that is what I did with Bumble. <laughs> That's good. I might have to start using that one for myself. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, stepping into the the marketing role at Keep It Cleaner, um, as you said, there was some some new things coming, which um, which you had, had a big hand in in getting going and stuff. But at the same time, it was a, a horrible 
time, I would imagine, for someone in your position to step into that role when pretty much the world's shutting down. Um, obviously, a, an app where the workouts are done at home and stuff is fantastic. But, um, you know, this is just what I've thought and you can let me know if I'm wrong. But I would imagine it would have been quite frustrating you being restricted to what you do best, not being able to do it pretty much because you're stuck, everyone's stuck inside. For sure. I definitely struggled with, with that. Mm. Uh, but the good, the really good thing was I, I think it's only natural when you, when you go into lockdown and you're, you're in that kind of position to like think about what could be, it's such a bad yeah. mindset to be in, but I think it's natural that we all think about that from time to time. And of course I thought about, you know, what would I be doing if I had stayed at Bumble? And I yep. definitely wouldn't have been contributing as, as much as I was able to contribute at Kick. So I yeah. actually feel like it was almost perfect because yep. I I got to work on something that really helped people with, within their homes and was something that people really needed and ended up taking on a, a big project of, you know, relaunching the app and yep. rebuilding it that you were obviously a, a part of and that really kept me going and yep. kept me really motivated and I I love the feeling and it's probably sick to to admit this but I love feeling under extreme pressure and like pace is being forced at me when similar, I'm at work yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very similar yeah yeah like when a crisis goes down I'm like fuck yeah. Like this, is, <laughs> this is what I need. Like yeah. something's happening on social media. Like some <laughs> companies made some decision. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I, I, I love that. Thrive um, off that, that pressure. Yeah. And I felt super grateful that when I was at, at kick, you know, relaunching this, re- relaunching the app and, and doing this rebuild gave me that, that fire and that mm-hmm. pace to really, keep me keep me motivated and yeah I think you know kick ended up being such a saving grace for for so many people through lockdown so that's obviously a great thing to have been able to work on during that time yeah I couldn't agree more now let's let's move on I know there's there's kind of like limited things you can tell us about sunroom but it's obviously such an exciting journey and and a and a I would imagine quite a, a scary step to take for you as well, like coming from Bumble, then keep it cleaner to, you know, established workplaces where, you know, your role is kind of set in place and, and you know what to expect. Whereas now, um, you know, even though you've just told us you absolutely love pressure and when she hits a fan, so I'm sure you're absolutely loving it. But how, how does this whole, um, I guess, concept of Sunroom come about um, from, you know, the first time, you know, it was an idea to, to where it is right now. And, and I guess I able to give the listeners a bit of an idea of, of exactly what it is. Yeah. So I feel really fortunate. I, I suppose my career has been a little bit strange. It's like things have come to me at a time at just, at just the right time. And I, I don't know how that is. I don't know if it's manifestation or mm. trusting your gut. Is or that something that you do? Are you a big manifester and like, do you meditate or, or are you into the whole kind of like uh, mindfulness side of things? Yeah, I think I, I think I do manifest, but I don't, you know, sit down and think really hard. I'm more just yeah. like write, write things down. And it's interesting because I actually have a diary and in, I think it was like August or September last year, yep. I'd actually written in it that I wanted to found a tech company. And then, you know, a few months later, 
uh, this kind of came to me. But I'd, I had thought about doing my own thing before, mm-hmm. even before Bumble came. As I mentioned, I was kind of thinking about things, but that definitely wouldn't have been the right time. And then yeah. when Bumble came to an end, I, I also was thinking about things then. And I feel like having Bumble and Kick under my belt, it definitely seemed like the right time. Yeah. After Bumble, I felt like I still had more to learn. So that's mm-hmm. what I, I really wanted to do. But going off track, so I was approached by an amazing woman. Her name's Lucy Mort and she is an Aussie uh, and she worked at Hinge. She has been, she's been living in the States for about seven years, Mm -hmm. but she is from a, from a regional town in New South Wales, worked at Hinge and she actually designed the whole interface at at Hinge. So she was the lead designer. Yeah. And she uh, approached me. We, we have a mutual friend and she sent me an email, you know, saying that she was looking specifically for someone from Bumble to to co-found something with. Uh, she knew I was, you know, working at Kick, but did I have anyone maybe that I could recommend? And I thought, hmm, I don't know if I want to recommend someone. But no, this girl, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know someone who might be interested. Uh, and we basically just got on a call and she spoke to me about the creator economy, um, I can't, I can't go too much into yeah, everything yeah. that she said, but it was a very, it was a very interesting space that she, she was looking into. She was talking mm-hmm. about things like OnlyFans, yep. Patreon, Substack, these platforms that exist where creators can directly monetize their content. Yep. And it really sparked my, my curiosity. Um, and so I also started, started looking into it and started speaking to my network, started speaking to creators that I'd worked with during my time at, mm-hmm. at at Bumble in particular and uh, yeah, just beginning to, to think about if I could do this or not. Um, but one of the things that she did say when we were on this call is that uh, she asked me, you know, are you, are you really tied to Australia? Because um, I think if we're going to do this, it has to be done in LA. And mm. I thought, wow, that's a very great coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> I actually am quite available to move, yeah. <laughs> to move to LA and that would actually work quite well for me. So we, we basically just started working on, on this idea and it, mm-hmm. it really wasn't an idea at the start. She absolutely spearheaded it. Um, but as we spoke to more people, we gradually began refining it. Um, she had done a fellowship for tech entrepreneurs. Okay. And so she came into this with a lot of knowledge and an ability to make really well-informed and, and educated, educated decisions. Mm-hmm. And she'd learned a lot at this fellowship about raising money and, and okay. getting investors. And was that I something just learned to, that you'd had to do it all at Bumble. Like, was that something that you were hands-on with? No. So at Bumble, we, we never had to raise. Yeah. So it wasn't something that I had experience with. Uh, I'd, I'd come into Bumble with great budgets yeah. and great, yeah. uh, great, great security, a, a bit of a different startup experience. Mm. I think Bumble was somewhat unique in, in that regard. Um, but Lucy had experience with, with that kind of thing at Hinge. So okay. they were, were venture backed. Uh, so I honestly just learned so much from her about the process. I'd never pitched to investors before. I'd never raised money. And so those first, I mean, once we kind of pressed the green light on doing all of it, which would have been around December 
last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I, I headed back to Sydney and I, I started speaking to investors and pitching it to people that I knew in Australia and the yep. learning curve during that was extreme. And okay. those, those moments were incredibly exciting and yep. incredibly validating when you're speaking yeah. to people and they want to give you their money. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty, yeah. it's a pretty great feeling. <laughs> yeah. Bloody oath. A lot of responsibility too, though, I'd imagine. So like throughout this, um, startup process and, and, you know, starting from absolute scratch, um, I can only imagine that there would be plenty of days, times, um, where things don't exactly go how you're, you're expecting or there's things that take a fuckload longer than, than what you would hope or what you'd plan for. So, I guess what's your um, process mentally around things like that? Like I know you said before you love it when shit hits the fan, but I'm sure there's times where you don't want shit to hit the fan and it does. So how how have you found um, just from experience the best way to react to something like that is? And, and then on the second part of that, are you also going into this like with deadlines you're working towards, but also at the same time understanding that there's a high chance that it's not going to be anywhere near that? Mm. So we went in, into this setting deadlines and we learned very quickly that is not a good idea yeah. and just not something that's overly possible when it comes to, to tech. Okay. You know, what we're, what we're building at the moment, it's not been built before. Um, there's, mm. there's parts of it that are, you know, brand, brand new. There's technology that's innovative. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of things that our engineering team are, are working on and discovering for the very first time, which is amazing and it's yep. exciting once once it works. Uh, I think there's always a there's a point within the build where it makes sense to start mm-hmm. setting deadlines. Uh, so if we were to have our time over again, we never would have tried to set a deadline within those first few yeah. months. Uh, and we learned that the the hard way, but I think these are just things that first time founders have to have to go through. But do, you think, do you think just sorry to cut you off do you reckon there's like a uh like there's pros and cons to even having those deadlines like i mean on one hand you're forcing yourself to put in the work aiming towards a certain day and making sure you actually get shit done but on the other hand you'd almost find yourself in a, a state of i guess making shit decisions or rushing things that shouldn't be rushed purely just to work towards a date like what yeah, actually, you've made me realise I'm so focused on our launch right now that when you're talking about deadlines, I'm literally just thinking like launch, 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 the deadline is to launch. Yeah. But really, I suppose we, we really just break it down. So we do, we do have deadlines and we do have goals. They're just for much smaller pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about like breaking it down and working out what is a top priority right now versus what can be saved for later, yeah. what's like a nice to have, or maybe what's a part of the app that we actually really don't need for launch and mm-hmm. we can like put it on the back burner and yeah. maybe come back to it later. So it's about, yeah, it's about setting achievable goals and like sprinting towards them and then coming up with the next set of achievable okay. goals and, and sprinting towards them. But there's this saying in tech that something like the last 10% of the bill takes 90% of the time. Right. And we've really like we've we've hit that at the moment okay. and you just feel so close yeah but it just seems to take forever and it's like these three things that you need to fix but 
they're three really complex things. Okay. Um, and so to keep like motivation and excitement during that time, we really just have to, we, we celebrate all the small wins. You know, we, we talk about fundraising efforts. We talk about conversations we're having with influential people that are really interested. You know, we get a trusted group of people on the beta app, which is mm-hmm. like the, the test environment. And we get them to provide feedback and okay. sharing those little things and, and getting feedback in that way and receiving a bit of validation that way is what really keeps you like driving towards the goal. For those uh, those that are listening, um, what is the most amount of information you can give us on what the Sunroom app, is, I guess, is going to be for? Or even if you could just kind of give us an idea or the listeners an idea of who like the target audience is for the app. Yeah, so it is an app for women and non-binary creators to monetize their content. Uh, so awesome. anyone will be able to download it, but specifically for for women and non-binary creators just to combat some of the the hardships and challenges we're seeing that group face on online at the moment incredible awesome uh when we obviously at the moment you would be spending a shitload of time um working um (laughs) anyone anyone that has uh their their own business and um i'm assuming it's 10 times more once you go to start up but anyone that has their own business would understand that it's just non-stop so is there certain things that you like to do to i guess find um what they call like your flow state like when you sit down to get work done and just really try and get in in the most productive mood or state possible is there certain things that you find help you yeah, routine is, it's, it's, it's a big one for me because unfortunately it's, it's something that I tend to let slip when I really am under the pump. But having my own business now, I just feel like the pressure's really gone up and it's not about just delivering for myself. It's about delivering for, for others and yep. looking after everyone in our team. And there's just so much riding on this. So I've felt like I need to take myself up a gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have been much more focused on how I actually look after myself in, in the past. I've not been overly like healthy uh, working at, at places. I really haven't, you know, committed to much exercise or <laughs> eating eating healthy i love a late night late night uber eats and i've always been a fan of mcdonald's but um for me it's about it's about starting the the day right so i'm obsessed with with hot yoga it's something that i thoroughly enjoy going to and i don't feel like i'm dragging myself to something i i hate and not only is it great for my body but it's really about my mind and having this hour in the morning to really like calm myself and i i tend to set three this is a new thing actually and it was inspired by bill uh but meditating has always seemed quite daunting to me and Mm -hmm. i was asking him you know how do you actually sit there for 20 minutes every morning and do your gratitude you know your set your intentions and things like that Mm -hmm. and um he told me that he literally just thinks about the three things he wants to achieve in a day. He doesn't actually take his mind completely blank all the time. And I thought, yeah. okay, I can, abs- I can absolutely do that. Yeah. So in um, hot yoga in the, in the morning when we're doing Shavasana for the last, you know, five, yeah. two, five minutes, that's what I'm doing. And I'm thinking about three things that I absolutely must do once I get home. And then as I was saying before, it's become quite a, a weird thing for me, but 
I stopped drinking coffee and for me, this decision to not drink a coffee in a, in the morning is like me taking complete control of my day yeah. and doing something that I know makes my mind clearer mm-hmm. and just sets me up in a, in a better mental state for whatever is ahead. Because the thing with my days is absolutely nothing goes to plan. So if I can just do like a couple of things in the morning that make me feel like I have control of my mind, then I'm, I'm totally fine for like whatever is thrown at me for, for the rest of the day. Um, I'm super similar with like with my morning routine as well. It's like I could do my morning routine and do fuck all for the rest of the day and, and feel productive or at least feel like I'm ready to be productive if I need to be. Whereas, yeah, like if I wake up and just kind of roll out of bed and, and, and out the front door, it, it, you already kind of feel like you're on the back foot for the whole day. A hundred, a hundred percent. And it sucks because, well, I, I had always enjoyed coffee, but now for me, a <laughs> sign of me having a coffee in a day is like a symbol that I don't have my shit together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. It's almost like you're on autopilot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like today's not going to be a good day for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michelle, um, look, I've really enjoyed, enjoyed our conversation. Um, I think, uh, all the listeners would absolutely have loved it as well. Um, super inspiring what you're doing and, um, wish you all the best. And I'm really excited to see how it all plays out over the next few months and years to come. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for joining me. I've been trying to get you on for that bloody long. Um, but, uh, I'm super happy, super happy we had a chat today. So thank you. Same. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Absolute pleasure. Uh, for everyone who's tuned in, we'd love for you to take a, a screenshot of this episode, post it up on Instagram story for us, tag myself, tag Michelle, make sure you follow Sunroom and keep up with, um, with all the updates on there. And um, like I said, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle.